Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Just want to remind you guys that this is just me and Mark telling stories and that nothing that we say here is intended to be medical advice. This is strictly from our point of view as two dads telling the stories of our T1D kiddos. We also want our listeners to know that we try to maintain a perspective, recognizing that whatever Alan and I or our families are dealing with, it doesn't amount to a hill of beans compared to that which our daughters or anyone diagnosed with type 1 diabetes has to contend with on a day-to-day basis. Okay, I've forgotten how we start. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, well, uh, just uh, welcome to Dad's Diabetes. Okay. Uh, <laughs> a little bit of ring rust, I guess. Uh, welcome to Dads and Diabetes, a podcast by two people who do something about a thing and we're just trying to get through it. Oh, gosh. It's That's been it. a long time since we've done this, Alan. <laughs> <laughs> I think everybody knows it by now. <laughs> no problem. It's no problem. Bring rest, bro. But we, so we, we enjoyed the break, though, I believe. Mm-hmm. I know the yeah. kids enjoyed the break. Yeah. I mean, you had a lot of stuff going on. Well, you both of us. So why don't, why don't you go for yeah. it? So it's been, what's it been now? Six-ish? Well, you know, a couple of months, right? Yeah, yeah. Folks will have heard, I'm sure, the Camp Sweeney episode, which we'll come back to in just a moment, which was our first episode back after hiatus. But uh, as that was kind of a canned recording, uh, we didn't get a chance to bring you up to speed on our goings-on of the last couple of months. So we hope all of you listeners have been great and had a wonderful summer. Alan, what have you been up to? Uh, marrying off kids. Not not to one another, we should say. He's from the South, but that's not. <laughs> right. It, it's been it's been an emotional summer. It's been kind of, um, it's been busy. It's, uh, you know, Emily and Lexi, my oldest two daughters, got married within five weeks of another, each other. And uh, so dealing with that and uh, just typically in summer we're traveling and, and, and doing stuff, but we were wedding planners pretty much all summer. And anyway, but it, it was uh Bittersweet, but we're happy for him. He married a couple of good guys, and uh, we've been uh, doing some sports and things. So we had some softball going on, and Aniston's team made it to the World Series. But uh, she she had a choice to make: either go to the World Series or go to Camp Sweeney. And obviously, for those who have listened, she went to Camp Sweeney mm-hmm. and was glad glad she did. So, yeah. but uh, yeah, that's it was a very busy summer. I know that was just a few seconds, but that's um, that's enough, probably. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, obviously, you and I talk from time to time, and we exchange texts, and I follow you on Facebook, and it sounds, yeah, it sounds really easy to condense that summer into I married off a couple of my kids, but uh, the effort that went into that, the work, the organization. I mean, it's a stop to, to marry off one is uh you know it's a herculean effort to get a wedding organized and the guests there and everything just so to do two of them in quick succession it's just remarkable and i have to say judging by the pictures you guys you and leslie did a wonderful job you did your daughters proud and uh they looked absolutely beautiful so uh thank you i'm glad glad both weddings went off without a hitch thank you very much yeah it they really did yeah we're really proud of how, how it all turned out and uh proud of them they really did most of the planning. We were just uh, sort of there, and family all pitched in on both sides, and uh, we were really proud of them. And, yeah, the, the emotional 
component I think was more than the the busy part was great because it kept your mind off of it and really just the last few weeks it hits where like I forget to like oh crap I locked the door you know I need to go unlock it because they're you know I'm still expecting them to come in through the door after a date or something you know what I mean yeah yeah so it's you know that part of it it um you didn't, you know, I don't know what I don't know. And so I, I never had experienced that. I can have people tell me all day long what it's like to marry off a child, but experiencing, experiencing it. Oh, you know what I'm trying to say? Experiencing <laughs> it yourself is uh, definitely different. It's, uh, it, it, but, but at the same time, it's very cool. I don't know if our listeners know that you've produced this show. And I think that those last 30 seconds there, you probably need to put some, some music over what you were just saying, kind of emotional music. And <laughs> <laughs> I've got, a, I've got some sad piano music. There you go. On, on, <laughs> now, Anna made both weddings, right? She, Camp Sweeney didn't impact her attendance at either wedding. Oh no, she, she was in both weddings. She okay. was a bridesmaid in, in, in both. And, and uh, it was, it was, uh, it was really extremely compact as and busy um it felt like summer didn't even happen we went from yeah. april now it's september yeah. you know it's um because again you had the wedding planning then you had lexi's wedding and then the week after that aniston left for, for camp sweeney then she gets back and then the next weekend emily gets married and then the next monday aniston started school wow so it was yeah, it was something. It really was. <laughs> but Ella had some great news. Didn't she have to face kind of a similar decision and at the same time go through some emotional things as well? So Aniston and yeah. Ella kind of had uh, definitely different circumstances, but emotionally, it, it was an interesting summer for yourself. Yeah, no, absolutely. So obviously we moved. We're now in Austin, Texas. And, um, you know, interesting move. We arrived at the rental property and the AC wasn't working. It was 105 outside and 91 inside. So Different from Colorado. <laughs> I mean, for quite a welcome. Uh, <laughs> thanks for that, Texas. But yeah, we settled in pretty quickly, you know, as much as you can in a rental property. But um, Ella's, Ella and Ethan, her brother, both doing fantastic in their new school. Ella was a little emotional about leaving her soccer team, yeah. who regular listeners will know did you know, a wonderful job last year, won State Cup and all all that good stuff. And uh, so moving to a new team was very challenging, but boy, she hit the ground running. I am so proud of her, not only because she is playing like a rock star, scoring all kinds of goals, really contributing to her team right from the off, but because her first tournament was in Houston and we had to run the windshield wipers on the way to the field, not because it was raining, but because at 7.30 in the morning, it was so humid I couldn't see out of the windshield without running the wipers. <laughs> I do not know how she ran in that game. I would have been on my knees after 10 minutes. Welcome to the South. Yeah, man. yeah, she's been remarkable. So in addition to that, she's jumped into volleyball with her school. She's uh, put a toe in the water as it relates to cross country and started uh, looking at maybe doing that, though we don't want to overload her. But um, yeah, she's been running two miles but every other day on the treadmill. So yeah, she's she's she literally has hit the ground running. So uh, and the rest of the family are doing well too. So Good. yeah, yeah, busy, busy summer. Now before we transition into what this episode's about, we do want to give a quick shout out to our previous episode, which feels like bad form uh, to be promoting episodes, but we are just so passionate about the last episode because it features very little of us and a whole lot of Camp Sweeney. We had the opportunity to visit with the uh, director of Camp Sweeney, Dr. Ernie Fernandez, with a couple of the counselors and with a couple of campers that our regular listeners might know. And uh, we did this hot off the back of picking up Ella and Anna from camp just a couple of weeks ago. And um, so, yeah, we got, we got to hear from people while emotions were raw and while the camp experience was still fresh in mind. And I think it made for a really, really wonderful episode not just highlighting Camp Sweeney, but the camp experience in general and what it means to be there with with kids who you form these deep friendships with. And they've almost become kind of siblings uh, to some yeah. degree. So, yeah, so that was really fun. So if you get a chance, I'm sure you'd say the same, Alan. We recommend, please go check out episode 13 um, and I think you'll enjoy it. Yeah, absolutely. So to episode 14, our first ever listeners, could be our last ever listeners questions episode. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see how this goes. But we reached out to our listeners and said, hey, can you shoot us over some questions? Things that are uh, on your mind, maybe things about diabetes, things about the podcast, things about Alan or I. Thankfully, we didn't get 
any questions about Alan or I. We got one that's specifically for Alan, but um, but nothing too personal, thank heavens. But we did get half a dozen great questions from our listeners, so we are going to rattle through these and answer these as best we can. Now, at the beginning of every show, we have our medical disclaimer. We are not doctors. We are not medical practitioners. Um, I have watched every episode of ER, but I don't think that qualifies me to give, <laughs> give any kind of medical insight. Um, big fan of St. Elsewhere as well. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but this is, again, it's just going to be our, our perspective, our dad's perspective, our experience of living with diabetes through, through our daughters. So, uh, Alan, I think you have question one. Yeah, question one was from Amy in Kent, UK. I don't know what state that is. Is that somewhere in England? Yeah, yeah, it's a county. Yeah, um, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking the, the UK or God, is that Kentucky? I'm trying to think. <laughs> no, I, I, and I'm, but I'm very, very th- thankful for the international listenership. That's pretty yeah. cool. It is awesome, isn't it? It's really great. Yeah. So what Amy asked was, um, she said, hi, I love your podcast. Would love to know how people manage sleepovers. We are four and a half years in using a pump and a Dexcom G5. <clears throat> Our daughter, Erin, is eight. She was diagnosed at just four. Have so far managed to avoid sleepovers, except for from relatives. Uh-huh. But this year, we have promised to let her do brownie sleepovers brownies i'm assuming that that's like uh i, I remember brownies when i was a kid as like uh um before you go to girl scouts that's what we we call them over here we're, we're brownies so, right? yeah when i read this initially i was like wow for a diabetic mom let her kid go to a party where the theme of the party is brownies <laughs> that's ambitious for the first sleepover <laughs> <laughs> might not might not be the best option <laughs> Anyway, but yes, brownies are like Girl Scouts. We're having a Willy Wonka sleepover next week. <laughs> she said, so, how, so, so far we've managed to avoid sleepover, blah, blah, blah. And, and um, so she's worried that the Wi-Fi will drop out, so I can't follow her. And the brownie later will sleep to the alarms, et cetera. Aaron yeah. sleeps through everything at night. Mm-hmm. So that's the first question. It's very interesting when before we, we started recording that you had the exact problem and you're in the house. So and we had the same thing in our house where it's not a Wi-Fi dropout. It's just suddenly you get no data. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, I'm going to say this after every question. This is my favorite question. <laughs> <laughs> I, it was our first question. And I love this question. and I loved it because when Amy sent it, Ella had just done her first sleepover. So Ella is almost two years in now. Um, since being diagnosed, haven't done a sleepover up to this point, had kids sleep at our house, but never let her go to anybody else's house to sleep over. But when Amy sent this question, it was about, I want to say maybe three or four days after Ella had done her first sleepover. And now actually I'm recording this from the house of a friend of ours in Colorado who were visiting. And so strictly speaking, although I'm under the same roof, Ella did another sleepover last night, I guess you could say. She mm-hmm. slept in her friend's bedroom and they were up till Lord only knows what hours, early hours in the morning. So it was essentially, you know, it was sleepover conditions. So I will tell you, I'm going to set this current example aside because again, it's kind of a pseudo sleepover. But the first one that we did uh, a few weeks back now, uh, it, it, it didn't go well. Oh, I, <laughs> and, and given that it was going to be the first one, we suspected there may be some bumps in the road. So we know the family really well. And I said, hey, you know, if this is totally weird, your house, your rules, this is fine. There'll be absolutely no bad blood. Um, but I feel like for this first sleepover, we would be really comfortable if maybe I could sleep at the house too. I'll be on a different floor. I'm not looking to get in the girl's business. I'm not going to be shadowing her, you know, she's doing her thing. Uh, I just would like to be on site so that if she needed attendance, we could take care of it. Knowing that you know, ice cream was going to make its way out and the girls are going to be running around like crazy until the early hours in the morning, which is going to send her numbers up. Um, and thankfully, the family agreed. And so even though Ella did a sleepover and, and dad, you know, was out of the way as much as possible, I was there. I was in, you know, in, in, in the house. And her numbers shot up. Her numbers shot up and were rough all night to the point where if she had been if we hadn't, if I hadn't been there, I would have got up in the middle of the night and gone and collected her. You're right. But the fact I was there was obviously a blessing. And I was, I was, I meant I was out there kind of dealing with things more than I wanted to be. And I felt bad about that because she's with her friends. And actually this is right before we left Colorado. So it was kind of our last hurrah, which is again, why we kind of acquiesced and said, okay, yeah, we'll do this. Mm-hmm. So it didn't, it didn't go 
well. So it's not really answering Amy's question because I'm sure she wanted me to say, or Alan, you're going to have some insights here in a second. I'm sure she wanted us to say, oh yeah, okay. So we did this and we did this and we prepared this and then this. And unfortunately, you know, Ella ended up doing all the things that, that kids do when they get together, which is eat bad food, run around, act like, you know, act like fools until three o'clock in the morning. And I mean, they were literally uh, daring each other to stay up as late as they possibly could. And I think they got a full hour of sleep, one hour of sleep at the end of it mm-hmm. all. So yeah, so it wasn't it wasn't a great situation. But I guess what I'm saying is for the first sleepover, Amy, if you have a great relationship with the people, I mean, I'm sure you do, otherwise you wouldn't be considering having your kid go stay with them. Um, maybe do that. Maybe say, hey, you know what? This is the very first sleepover since she's been diagnosed. Can I or my husband crash on the couch can we sleep you have a spare bed you know whatever it whatever however they can accommodate you be on site so that you can just kind of manage the process that first time that i guess would be my feedback yeah no i think that's correct that's aniston has had very few sleepovers um and and we're same thing four and a half years in almost five years in and all the sleepovers are, are close to home and the reason is you know it, it was relatives at first but relative or not it's the same thing you're still gathering trying to gather data and you're monitoring it as if she's at home mm. uh, but, you know I'm trying or trying to I, you sugar mate trying to we we monitor that we keep our alarm set so that we are looking at it and if something happened uh, where we just couldn't get it under control we would go and get them yeah uh, and, or as you said collect them and and we actually you know we sort of had to do that one night uh, I'll give you an example um uh, had a bridesmaid party for Lexi. We left the house. We went and stayed at a, at a B&B close by and let Aniston kind of hang out with all the bridesmaids and her sugar started going through the roof and eventually, and nothing would work. And eventually we had to drive an hour to come back and get her. It, it just, it, it was what it was. But what we try to do for sleepovers is try to have the, them at our house so we can maintain a little bit more of uh, monitoring and control and whatnot. But for her to have that independence of going to other people's houses, we, we're always we have a great relationship with the parents, as you mentioned, um, and typically they know because of the community, and we've talked about this many times. They know what uh, the condition is. They know that that she's being monitored at all times. That we're going to be monitoring it. I don't know how well the or the host parent sleeps mm. because they know that we're actually monitoring it uh, during the night. So. They typically, we haven't really had any problem with a, a host parent, let's say, or the or the sleepover parent missing an alarm or missing something like that because they're pretty much in contact with us. At the same time, Aniston is so used to um, having alarm set, she can, she can hear it. And uh, so she doesn't sleep through, she sleeps pretty heavy and she sleeps through some alarms, but, you know, it, it's, um, it's, that's a, it's a, dif- a difficult thing to, to maneuver and unfortunately, they just don't get to have the sleepovers as much um, as as a kid that's non-type one. But I think that's just a fact of life. So the more that you can have sleepovers at your house where you can monitor it and monitor the diet and monitor what's going on, no matter how much sleep they're getting, I think that's probably the safest route. Yeah, absolutely. But you want them to have that. So, you know, when, when, you, when you allow those sleepovers, yeah, I would just say – Make sure the parent is informed that you will be monitoring it during the night to help them because that will relieve their stress. And typically what we found also is that the families that are going to allow your kiddo to stay the night, they're just as nervous as you are. Mm-hmm. But they, they care enough about you to want them to have that experience. So they've made it a priority to watch what Aniston is, to watch her sugars during the night. Mm. So we've just never really had that problem if they know that they're responsible for a type 1 diabetic. Good stuff. Yeah. Great advice, I think. So, okay. Question two. Uh, This comes from Jeremy Flint. Uh, He says, hey, gentlemen, Uh, first off, love the podcast. I'm a dad to a newly diagnosed March 28th, 2019 T1D kiddo, a nine-year-old daughter. I found your podcast a week after we got out of the hospital and I've really enjoyed it. That's cool. Uh, Especially the first few episodes we walked through diagnosis and life after. Yeah, I bet. I'm sure that would would resonate if you just diagnosed. Um, We went on to the Dexcom G6, but we're still uh, still doing manual insulin doses. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, I'd love to hear more about day-to-day life with your kids, especially related to sports. Our daughter plays rec soccer 
and could possibly move to competitive within a year or two. So I think the question in there really is in regards to, well, it's day-to-day life, which of course we try and cover in the, in, in the podcast, you know, going theme to theme, episode to episode. Um, but specifically, Jeremy hones in on, on sports. We did an episode about that. So if you haven't had a chance to check that out, Jeremy, certainly give that a listen. But Alan, let's just revisit some of those themes very quickly. I'm not sure we need to go you know, too, too far down the rabbit hole on this one, given that we've uh, already covered it in a previous episode. But I do want to address it you know, to some degree. So what would you say in regards to day-to-day and specifically sports, Alan? This question, when I, I was preparing to – when I read it and trying to prepare for this podcast – not to say it was a difficult question. It's uh, it's just that we we I think typically he he kind of captured what we really are trying to do on the podcast and and the the topics that we get uh, or that you and I come up with typically result from something that occurred in our day to day life. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you hone in specifically on sports, um, Aniston's back playing. Uh, uh, travel softball. We just uh, we got a, we have our first tournament this weekend. Um, the you know as she's growing and becoming more independent and learning more about uh, how to manage T one D, it's really just becoming easier and easier because uh, you you have to couple their maturity and their independence along with the technology that is accelerating, and it's really making it easier and easier for us to manage. So I know specifically he's still uh, they're still doing manual doses. So that's a little bit more difficult, I would imagine, for especially with sports, um, because I know that Ellen and Anna are both both on the Omnipod. So you know we're able to control that from the dugout or or, or something like that. And you can speak more directly to the soccer field, but I, I really don't know exactly <laughs> what to say uh, as far as on the day to day as it relates to to sports, other than we're just still doing what we were doing back when we talked about sports previously. Obviously. Yeah. Um, again, we covered so much in the sports question, it's difficult to know how to condense it. But I think we touched on a couple of important or revisited a couple of important things there. I, I, I would just do the same. I just say, you know, Ella's not yet even two years in. So this is still pretty fresh for us. And I think sometimes unintentionally, and I listen back, I listen back to episodes from time to time, and it, unintentionally, I think Alan and I uh, occasionally come across very kind of laissez-faire, like it's no big deal. We have this, you know, we've kind of, we've got a bit and Alan, you know, you're four years in. So I think you're, you're and, and knowing you and knowing Leslie, you're certainly not laser fair. You're very on it. And you need that. You need a degree of being relaxed, right? You can't be high strung and freaking out all the time about diabetes. You need to at some point get into a groove and exhale, right? Yeah, it gets easier. Yeah, but it is still scary for you and I. Absolutely. And for a kid that's diagnosed earlier this year, it's going to be scary for that kid and, and for the parents as well. So the question was interesting because it kind of made, I think it made you and I, Alan, stop and think and revisit and go back because we're in a different place right now. But I know from, from, from a sports perspective, at least a couple of key things I'd say, one is never correct directly after matches, directly after sports activities. Like, okay. And I say, I can't say never, I'm going to put never in inverted commas. And again, not medical advice <laughs> in our experience. We very, very, very rarely correct after uh, a competitive game or, or any kind of a sports activity because Ella will go very, very high. And if you correct off that number, invariably she will come crashing down. I know Anna had the same experience and I think that's pretty consistent yep. with diabetics, period. So that's just one piece of advice I give you. The other is um, make sure that your your coach, your team's coach is aware that your daughter is diabetic and that you may need to engage with her during the game. Yep, And that's just the way it is, right? Nobody here is playing in the World Cup final. Um, so if you need to go over to the bench at halftime or at some point during the match because the G5 gives you information that suggests you need to go do something, then don't worry about that. Take care of business. Do it. But yeah, definitely check out our sports episode because we go more deeply into the topic there. And if you have questions from day to day, given that you know, you're know you a parent of a newly diagnosed kids, Alan and I don't have all the answers, but feel free to reach out to us at Dads and Diabetes at gmail.com and we'd be happy to provide you with our insights yeah absolutely and, and yeah if you have any more any follow-up questions that we'd love to hear that you know going back to that place where you're newly diagnosed and also you're still going to keep them involved in sports we don't do a whole lot different now it's just that we can do it more unconsciously because we we have experience with it but the first year is going to be it's going to be more, uh, it's going to be scary. Yeah. Um, and 
Leslie really was hands-on all the time because at that point, you know, she did softball, she did dance and some things um, competitively. And you're a little bit more of a helicopter parent at first, but then you start figuring things out. Even with just doing manual dosing, that which is what Aniston was on, we didn't do a pump or a sensor or anything like that. We were manually checking sugars and when we were manually giving, providing insulin during the sports activity. Yeah. So that's just something that you'll learn and you do have the advantage of having the G6 that uh, where you can at least monitor that. So you already have a great tool at your disposal and just use that and uh, and you're going to feel like a helicopter parent a little bit at first. <clears throat> but uh, you will slowly as you build experience that wisdom comes in and Mark made a great point where we seem kind of laissez-faire about it but we're not. It's just that we've gained confidence yeah and also as your daughter um understands and grows with the with t1d as well she's going to start picking up on things she's going to understand how she feels and she's going to be able to communicate that with you and i think again making sure that that your coach knows what's going on also we let the officials know uh, i don't know i think we may have brought that up in the sports episode typically um, we let the uh, umpires know that we have a T1D that we may have to call time out for her to check her sugar or to get a glucose tab or something like that. So question three, my friend, what do you have? Uh, it says, hi, guys. Love the show. Is it, as who's, I it feel from? who's it from? It is from, man, I don't know. <laughs> Let me see. It's from Steven. Yes, I'm sorry. Steven. Yeah, Steven. Yeah. Um, let's see. Hi, guys. Love the show. As I feel, I'm, I'm right there with you in most of the stuff you talk about. One thing that is different for me is that my T1D is, is my 13-year-old son, Will. He is the oldest of three sons and was diagnosed in 2016. After we took him to an urgent care for what we thought was a stomach bug or the flu, blood sugar turned out to be around 750. Oof. My question or topic involves the siblings and friends of Will and other T1Ds. Will, is taught, uh, Will, Will has two younger brothers, 11 and 10, and we have taught, it, uh, taught them signs to look for during an urgent load, for example, when to contact a parent and or 911 and so on. We also we have also had brief discussions with Will's friends along the same lines. That being said, to what extent have you discussed the basics of T1D with siblings and friends? Good question. It's a fantastic question. And it's something we're going to come on to. This is one thing we haven't really um, gotten into on the pod so far. You know, we have an episode coming up here about talking about family dynamics, but then we're going to follow on from that talking, you know, about your village essentially right those people who surround your family who also need to be educated and are part of your support system so i loved seeing this question so alan what have you got for us our dynamics are a little bit different simply because they you know aniston has two older sisters and one younger brother now the two oldest were you know in her mind i mean they're adults mm -hmm. okay because they're so much older so when they found out about the diagnosis, they started doing their own research to understand the disease. So they had a um, a little bit of a, of a of a grounding in education before we even came home from the hospital. Tag was different. He was young. He didn't understand any of it. But what we simply said to the family when we all got home was that she has to have insulin to live. Every time she eats, she has to have insulin. And then we just continued on from there um, with me and Leslie managing it. Now, after a few weeks, they sort of caught on to the new lifestyle and, and how it all, how it plays in the family and, and watching her diet and watching her sh blood sugars. And they sort of got involved on their own and asked questions and started understanding what does it mean when her sugar's this, what it should, what should it be, you know, what do we need to be careful of when we're, when we're reading nutrition labels? So we, we didn't overwhelm them they just kind of caught on and we just continued on. So it's just a learning curve for everybody. The uh, advantage we have was, you know, Leslie was a stay-at-home mom. Uh, so that really helped her. It helped us as her being around-the-clock caretaker. Uh, so here's where we are today. We live in a very small town. Everybody knows she's, she's a diabetic. All of her friends have some understanding of, of T1D. Aniston herself will educate them. A lot, of, a lot that she learns from Camp Sweeney, she shares with her friends. All of our, uh, our closest friends absolutely are involved, and they know um, uh, Aniston's situation. And as Tag has grown, he's just grown knowing he doesn't remember Aniston not having diabetes. Now 
he'll grab a phone and say, Hey, let me check Anna's sugar. And he'll say, Anna, you're, you're dropping. You need, you need one glucose tab. I mean, he'll try to diagnose. <laughs> no, he's fine. I wish I could be a fly on the wall to see that. That would be awesome. It's, it's the cutest thing in the world. He'll say, Anna, <laughs> he'll say, Anna, you're trending up. You know, you need to correct. And he doesn't know how much, but but he's but he's involved in it, and it makes him feel important. Doogie Howser, <laughs> it's it's the coolest thing. So he actually catches things for us. He said, "Hey, well, she has an arrow going down." So he follows he follows it as well. He'll grab a phone and he jumps in and and uh, and tells her what she needs. Hey, you need a corrector. You need a glucose tab. Yeah. So it's pretty pretty cool. That's fantastic. Well, you've covered a lot of the bases there. I guess the only thing is I would uh, add to that are we always had grand plans. So we said, okay, these are the three families that Ella most hangs with. They're our closest friends. You know, we're going to gather them together and kind of do a clinic, right? So we're going to give them, we're going to spend a couple of hours together, do them a crash course, take them through all the equipment. It never happened. Now, it, sh- it, should, have, it should have happened. We should have done it. I, I feel like we missed a trick on that. That being said, we've, you know, we've since moved to state. And so that's not going to, it wouldn't have been much value to us at this point. We're, we're going to have to go through that process again anyway. So, but mm-hmm. I think that would have been helpful to have done that. But what we ended up doing was doing it on the fly. So with a question we had regards to sleepovers from Amy, that family or one of the three families. And just over the last two years, they've asked questions. We volunteered information. You know, Ella's been around their kids a lot, uh, doing play dates and whatnot. And so, just kind of through that process, that process of you know, just kind of drip, drip exposure. Um, they have gotten up to speed, and and I say we should have done it. That being said, I I wonder, you know, not everybody, not everybody learns the same way, and I'm wondering if having pulled all the families together and hosted some kind of a clinic, if that maybe would have been overwhelming anyway. Um, and you feel like it's going to provide clarity and with it remove anxiety, but in fact, it could have the exact opposite, uh, you know, impact. And that folks could get more wound tight, you know, recognizing, oh my gosh, we have to do this and this and this. And if that isn't right, then this can happen. And so maybe the drip drip approach, just giving them information over time, maybe that was, was better anyway. It's interesting that the, the example you gave in regards to tag, because one of the things that Kim and I have become more mindful of these last maybe six months or so is how Ethan, our son Ethan, has kind of been on the periphery of what has become a huge and central part of our family's life. And we feel bad about that. We haven't meant to sideline Ethan, but everything has become about Ella um, because of the diabetes. And everything that was about Ella previously, soccer, for instance, it's now, it's mushroomed out. It's not just about soccer now, it's about preparing for soccer. And it's about focusing on Ella intensively while she's playing soccer to make sure that, you know, she's she's where she needs to be from a diabetic perspective. And then it's after the game, you know, what do we need to do to make sure Ella eats the things she needs to eat post-soccer? And and so it's gone from just being a soccer match and being about Ella for, for an hour to being all about Ella for, you know, a half a day. And we've, in the last few months, tried to readdress that balance because we feel like... Um, you know, it's just been, it's been fallout. It's been fallout from, from Ella being diagnosed with diabetes that, that Ethan has probably gotten uh, the, the short end of that stick. What's interesting is that <clears throat> we were having a conversation with Ethan the other day on the way to school and we started talking about diabetes and I was kind of ribbing him for the fact that, uh, you know, he's 13 now. So he's at an age, we'll get into an age where, you know, we can leave him to watch Ella if Kim and I want to go out and just have dinner, right? Just go to a nearby restaurant for an hour and have dinner. And, uh, but I was kind of ribbing him a little bit about, you know, would he know what to do and everything else. And, uh, he shocked the heck out of us because he knew the terminology. I said, well, what if she has a low? He knew exactly what to do. What if she has a heart? And it was amazing that even though we had had a few conversations with Ethan over the last year and a half, we again, we'd never done the clinic, uh, you know, kind of sit down intensive clinic thing. And yet through the process of osmosis, and I guess everything being about Ella, right, for the last year and a half and so, mm-hmm. he had picked up so very much. And um, that was really interesting to us. That's no, that's an excellent point because Tag, we never, we've never set him down. Mm. He's asked questions, but no, it's exactly what you said. It's just the focus so intently on Aniston. Kids pick up, and we've heard this forever from in all walks of life kids are always watching they're watching what you do yeah to set to set a good example right and we've always learned that they soak it up like a sponge and if we don't think that they're learning 
because on a day-to-day basis, you're doing, dealing with the T1D and they see the, you know, kids are intentionally uh, are, are typically going to be attention seeking, uh-huh. right? I mean, that they need that validation as they're growing up and they know that something's different. And so I think not to get the attention that's going to come out wrong. I'm not trying to say it that way, but to be involved, they're going to, uh, in my experience, they're going to pick up on things and try to show some level of understanding and expertise so that they can be involved in what is obviously some earth moving change in your family. Yeah. Absolutely. So I think that's why that's why now tag that is now monitoring Anderson sugar. We don't rely on him to do that, but it's helpful because now we have another, we have a third set of eyes, mm-hmm. you know, even though we may, we know what's going on. The fact that tag knows to jump on that and say, Hey, you need to do this, even though he may be totally off the wall and make up stuff. It's the fact that he's trying. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Ella's just started a new school, as I mentioned, and I asked her, you know, have any of your kids in your class asked about what you're doing when you're testing or when the nurse, you know, you have to go visit the nurse. And she said, yeah, one did. She said, you know, I was, I was testing. She said, what are you doing? I said, oh, I have diabetes. I'm just testing my blood. And she's like, oh, okay. And I think, <laughs> so our approach has it's been very much, again, it's kind of been teaching by osmosis, you know, over a period of time as mm-hmm. opposed to trying to force feed people. That being said, you know, you have your own circle and then maybe you have people around you who are like, I need to be educated. I really want to understand this. Can we take the time to have this conversation? So I think, you know, it's horses for courses, as we say in England, and you, uh, you need to do what's best for you. But it sounds like Alan and I, you know, we've been through the process of kind of educating people on the fly. Um, you, right. you may want to take a different approach. So question four, um, this is for you, Alan. I mentioned earlier there was a question specifically for you. So if we could rattle through this mm-hmm. one quickly and we'll get to our final question. Uh, this is from Lester Hightower. He says, uh, thanks, guys. I enjoyed your diet episode number five. And I'm curious how Alan's daughter's A1C has progressed through the year. Has he shared that? So to provide some context for listeners who may have not heard the diet episode, Alan was bragging endlessly. No, I'm kidding. Um, Alan, <laughs> Alan was rightly very, very uh, excited about uh, Anna's declining A1C, which had in large part been managed through changes in her diet, which Alan and his wife Leslie had employed, and which Anna, Anna had embraced, it's fair to say. This isn't something that they forced upon her. And so we discussed a little bit about how diet had impacted that A1C and the, that positive movement. So, yeah, Lester's just mm-hmm. interested, Alan, in how that's progressing and if you could give us an update. Sure. And just for, so Lester will know, and I believe he already does follow the page, because we have had so much, um, so many people interested in what we were doing. Leslie started a Facebook page called My Tea Wonderful Journey. My Tea Wonderful Journey, where she puts her recipes and, and blogs and stuff like that. So, but to answer the question, uh, back when we did what we called the change, that was November 17th of 2018, I believe that I shared the fact that in October of 18, she had an A1C of 7.5. After the we changed her diet on January 31st, she had an A1C of 6.5. Well, since then, we've continued on with low carb. Aniston loves it, and we're getting more creative with the recipes. It's helped the entire family. Um, she's now, well, in April, when we did her A1C, she went from 6.5 down to 6.2. Most recently, in August, she's at 6.1. And as of right now, she is on track to be at 5.6, 5.5, 5.6 for the the next A1C. Now, we have had a few folks that are are concerned is, you know, is she enjoying it and things of that nature? Does she enjoy the diet? And as you said, it was not forced upon her and Aniston embraced it because it makes her feel better uh, with the the lower carb approach. And just so that you'll know with the low carb, on January 31st, Aniston weighed 88 pounds. As of her last doctor's visit, she is 98 pounds. Her height back in January was four. She was four foot nine and a half. She is now five feet tall. So she's growing. She's flourishing. Her A1C continues to go down. Um, so it just really emboldened us to continue with that with this low carb uh, lifestyle. But occasionally she does get uh, she does get treats and things. She's not deprived or anything like that at all. Um, there's some you know, but she she has her limits as to what she wants to do because a lot of it is self self managed because she wants to feel good 
And um, but occasionally, she, yeah, sure. And she's going to have a, a wedding cake or she's going to have some birthday cake mm-hmm. or she's going to have this or a cookie. But uh, I, I appreciate the question. And Anna's doing really good. Yeah, it made me smile, actually. So we got done with Camp Sweeney and our families went and had lunch together. And we'd asked the girls what they wanted to eat. And uh, I don't think Anna had a particular preference, but Ella was all about hamburger and fries. She wanted a big hamburger and fries. And boy, did we find a place that had a big hamburger and fries. Well, yes, we did. It was awesome. <laughs> it was really good. The uh, hamburger was the size of Ella's head. And so I went to bowl it and like, <laughs> you're never going to eat all that. And she assured me she would. Well, I think Anna's burger, if I remember rightly, was was a with lettuce wrapped, right? Yes. Yep. I mean, right? Okay. And Ella's wasn't. Ella's was full carb, full fat. And uh, both girls seemed very happy with what they ordered, uh, particularly when it showed up. And both of them proceeded to inhale uh, what they had ordered. Uh, Ella amazed me by licking the plate. Um, <laughs> that isn't to say they don't feed them and feed them well at Camp Sweeney, but she yeah, was clearly hankering for, for that. So it was interesting because – you know, they were essentially ordering the same thing, but of course the bread was a big difference. And and that just, I think it just defined for me that, you know, the two families do things a little differently. And Ella's A1C is higher than Anna's, but it's in a very good and safe and comfortable level. And uh, there's just more than one way to skin a cat. But I certainly applaud what you, 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 know, you and your wife have been doing, Alan, and uh, the positive impact it's had on Anna. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, different folks, different strokes, and uh, both our girls are thriving. So it's good to hear. And I'm glad Lester asked that question to follow up. Yep. And I'd like to throw in one little thing that I found out. Uh, uh, this is a follow-up to Camp Sweeney, basically. But the information I've gotten since Camp Sweeney um, is a lot of parents are now trying to look at this low-carb lifestyle. Camp Sweeney does not have that. Um, if you ever go to di- diabetic camp, they have different little meal plans that you can choose. But it was it was difficult when you're trying to follow a, a low-carb lifestyle. Mm. However, this next year, they're going to be introducing a low-carb option. So uh, we're kind of excited about that. And uh, another reason to love Camp Sweeney. Yeah. All right. Final question, my friend. What do you have? All right. This is from Tammy Crafts. Uh, says as your child grows, I'm um, sorry, as your child gets older, say middle to high school, middle middle school to high school, how do you handle their care as a parent? It's hard to go from control freak to allowing them to self manage their care. At what point, age, etc., do you begin to let go, or do you? What a great question to finish on, huh? That's a, that's a good question. All of them have been good questions. Yeah, they have. Yeah, we got we've got some great listeners. We have the best listeners. The best yes, listeners, let me tell you. Anyway. Um, <laughs> you sound like Trump. <laughs> That's what I was going for. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. An English Trump. <laughs> well, we, have, we already have an English Trump if you've been following you <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> anyway. Um, <laughs> Hashtag Brexit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so full disclosure, Tammy is a friend of mine. Uh, awesome, awesome lady. Great family. Uh, her son is a phenomenal soccer player. Um, so we've known their family for quite some time. Ella was diagnosed, obviously, November 2017. Six months later, Tammy's son was diagnosed. So Tammy obviously reached out to me. This was prior to us doing the podcast, in fact, Alan, but she reached out to me. We had some conversations. And then she and her family very quickly came to grips with diabetes and with all the uh, technology they want for their son to have. And they haven't missed a beat Um they're doing wonderful. The sun is thriving, um, still playing competitive soccer and crushing it. So, um, so I'm excited that Tammy submitted a question. In fact, Tammy submitted several questions. The others were more of a technology uh, nature. So I think when we circle back to technology here, Alan, mm-hmm. uh, probably in the next couple of months, as I know we're hoping to do as technology develops, we'll loop those questions back in. But this is the one I wanted to hone in on for, for this particular episode. So um, a wonderful question. A, a little difficult for us to answer, at least as it relates to the high school piece, because neither of our kids are high school age yet, um, both in middle school this year. But um, So we can, we can certainly talk to that. So I, I mentioned earlier that there's a danger, I think, in this podcast that occasionally Alan and I can come across sounding laser fair, like, you know, we got this, it's no big deal, when... It, the reality is, you know, we we still freak out. We're still scared. We still hawk over the numbers and everything else. For me, I think I, I'm always going to be very actively involved with and engaged in Ella's care. Mm-hmm. And I, I think the same is true of Kim, my, my wife Kim. 
Uh, I think for me, it's a change in mindset. Going away from, um, well, let me give an example. So we're coming out here to Colorado. Ellis going to be playing in a big regional competitive soccer tournament. And on the plane, I said to her, look, I don't want to embarrass you in front of your teammates. So this is how this is going to go down. Um, when I tell you to do something this weekend as it relates to your diabetes, you just get it done. There's no answer. There's, excuse me. There's no questioning. There's no you know, pushback. There's no uh, negotiating. Um, I'm going to try not to be in your business as much as possible. When I say something needs to be done, I say an adjustment needs to be made or something needs to be eaten, just get on it. Um, you know, we need to attack this as a team. And she said to me, well, that's not really a team if you're just going to tell me what to do. And I'm like, okay, but, you know, your soccer coach, he's a part of your team. And when he tells you, hey, Al, I need you to go out and do such and such, you don't spend the next five minutes arguing with him about it. Right. You go do it because, you know, he said that's what's best for the team. Um, and so for me, it's a mindset change to get away from trying to monitor her every, uh, you know, one unit, uh, or not unit one number uptick or downtick on her CGM and freaking out about it and kind of being in the middle of it and, and to use to use Tammy's terminology control freaking right and instead it's shifting to a place where you just feel that there's there's an understanding between the two of you that hey I, I'm your primary healthcare person so when I tell you to do something you need to get on it but also recognizing that they are becoming young adults they are more mature. And that um, you don't need to be in the middle of their business constantly. You need to find that space to pull back and to give them uh, that room, you know. But this, but that, but in order for that to happen, in order for you to pull back, in order for you not to be in the middle of everything, in order for all of that to happen, there needs to be that understanding that when I say we need to get on it, we need to get on it. Yeah. Um, so that's, I think, how we're going to manage it. And it's interesting. I was uh, talking with my sister-in-law. Uh, her daughter, Sydney, who's going to be on a future episode here, Ella's uh, cousin, you know, she's had diabetes now for, I think, over 10 years. And um, Christy right now is in Italy. And yet she got an alert on her phone about Sydney having a low in her dorm at A&M. <laughs> and we were joking about, hey, never ends, right? And she's like, absolutely. <laughs> so that's going to be our reality until they cure this thing, which they eventually will. He says, with fingers crossed and praying to God. Yep. Um, I think it's setting those parameters. It's, it's setting the environment for that healthy shift away where, again, you're not on top of your kid, but they recognize that when it's time to get down to it, you know, when it's time for something to happen, then it needs to happen. We need to let them be kids. And there's a there's a fine line between control freak and, and allowing them to make some independent decisions. But even when you're allowing them to gain some independence, the helicoptering never stops. So it's just, is it known to them or is it unknown to them? An example is, you know, as Aniston has progressed from a small child with diabetes into a, a young lady with diabetes, now because of just over time and gaining wisdom through this, she be, she begins picking up on what is a, a, a good decision. So in other words, you know, we let her... Uh, pick some of her foods and do we, then we may, you know, she may be asked, is this a good choice or bad choice? And now she, we don't do as much anymore, but because she's making good choices, she knows what she likes and she knows if it's a good option. She knows how to read nutrition labels and things of that nature. So as she, as, as your child progresses in age and in understanding of T1D, uh, let them start making some of the decisions. And if they're wrong, you step in and fix it uh, or you correct them. And if they're right, then you say, great job, and you do exactly what they said. And then it gives them that confidence of, hey, I can I can do this. Yeah. So it slowly started with, like, Aniston picking what food she wants to eat, uh, guessing how much she should bolus for a certain meal. When we have a number, especially, you know, Leslie, uh, has we have a number in mind, and we'll see, we'll see what Aniston thinks she should bolus. And now she's typically right at this point. And, you know, they have enough to worry about, especially young girls going, getting ready for preparing for middle school, junior highs, high school, you know, social, social things and their bodies changing and all of these things that they have to deal with daily. 
besides the fact that they're T1D. Yeah. Um, there's going to, and, and we all, we know as parents that there's going to become a point where they're going to fly the coop and they're going to be on their own. They're going to be completely responsible for themselves. So until that day comes, we want to do all we can as far as being involved, allowing them some, some semblance of control for sure, and just teaching them as they go. And you'll find that typically they start learning because they learn a lot quicker than we do and they soak it up. And it's amazing how correct they are at just guessing at how many carbs are in a, a, a plate of food at a cafeteria where there's no nutritional information. Yeah, yeah, it is. They, they just, they start picking it up. Yeah, it's funny actually. So Ella and I had a moment uh, a couple of days ago we were looking at her eating something that didn't have the nutritional value and we kind of eyeballed it together and was it a fifty dollar milkshake? No, no. Although here wasn't fifty dollars. <laughs> not far away. Uh, <laughs> follow me on Instagram if you want the background to that story. But Ella, that's two thousand cards. Right, we were eyeballing something, and we both paused for I don't know two or three seconds, and then in chorus we both said twenty carbs, and um, it was quite funny. And we were like, oh snap! And so yeah, it was, yeah. It was really really neat. You know, it's funny, Alan. Every episode we do, we joke that. Either something we're talking about is going to be part of a future episode or, hey, that's a great idea for a future episode. Mm -hmm. As you were talking, I realized that we talked about our education, mine and yours. And in this episode, we've talked about how to educate other people, you know, for sleepovers or educate, you know, the friends of our, of our T1D kiddos. We haven't really ever talked explicitly about how to educate our kids. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, or the education that our kids have gotten through the process of going to their uh, to their meetings with their endos or to, you know. Or just living it. Yeah, or reading nutritional labels and that kind of good stuff. So that absolutely needs to be a, a theme for a future episode. But um, yeah, but I think we're out of time for this one, my friend. In fact, there were a couple of questions we didn't get to, so I really apologize. But we hope this is the first of maybe, I don't know, certainly an annual uh, listeners questions show maybe a biannual one if we get enough questions so or perhaps if we get enough questions we could wrap a show with answering a question a, week, a question of the week oh actually that's a great idea yeah thank you that's what i get paid for so. <laughs> which is absolutely nothing <laughs> which is in line with the quality of the output <laughs> if anyone out there is wanting to get into podcasting to make uh, to make money uh make another decision Right, absolutely. <laughs> um, but it's been fun tackling these questions, and I know we're both so grateful to our listeners for submitting them. Yes, absolutely. So anyway, we'll go ahead and, uh, as I like to say, put a bow around this one. We have some exciting episodes coming up for you here in the, in the next few shows, uh, some really cool interviews I think you guys are going to enjoy, and uh, some additional topics as well that I hope are going to resonate with you. But for right now, i uh, going to sign off. Uh, this is Mark and Alan, Dads and Diabetes, two dads of T1D kiddos on a podcast trying to figure it all out. Look, Alan, I remembered. You did great. <laughs> you did great. And please send in those questions. And Mark, it was great talking to you, brother. Yeah, you too, man. Ready for catching up again, and I'll speak to you again in a couple of weeks. Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.